0: More people every day are ditching animal products, embracing plant-based foods, and speaking up for what matters. With my experience as an international instructor for vegan nutrition and an award-winning author, I interview experts, innovators, and celebrities about the global movement towards a plant-based future. Do you wanna learn how to combat the injustice in our food system affecting your health, the animals, and the planet? Well, you're in the right place. It all starts here with Eating Like You Give a Damn. Welcome to the Eating Like You Give a Damn podcast, the place to discover your passion for plant-based living, one bite at a time. I'm your host, Stephanie Harder. Researchers estimate that approximately one in five Americans suffers from one or more autoimmune disease. And it's estimated that up to 10% of the global population suffers. But many more suffer undiagnosed, which means that someone you know is suffering. Perhaps it's you. Autoimmune disease occurs when your immune system mistakenly attacks your body and causes your body to overreact to harmless allergens. And the autoimmune category consists of up to 100 diseases that are widely scattered over a number of medical specialties. So unfortunately, this leads to an exhausting journey of suffering while seeing multiple doctors over an extended period of time before even reaching a diagnosis, which was exactly where Dr. Benjamin Benulis unexpectedly found himself in his late 20s, before becoming a doctor, that is. Back then, when he was just Ben, he was suffering from extreme muscle aches, and he was in chronic pain, he was fatigued. He had severe digestive pain, which he describes as World War III going on in his intestines. And also eczema on top of that, which developed on his hands. So his health and his social life and his performance at work, it all tanked. He was even shuffled around from doctor to doctor for like a long period of time when finally someone suggested he take a food allergy test. And just wait until you hear what the results were and how he became highly motivated to heal himself when doctors couldn't. Today, Dr. Benjamin Benulis is a plant-based doctor of chiropractic in Phoenix, Arizona. After coming to a plant-based diet to reverse his own issues with autoimmune disease, he now helps people all over the world to do the same. He's even awesome enough to provide you with a blueprint that he created, which he wish he had had back in those days of chronic pain and misery. So be sure to listen to the end for that life-saving tool. Before we kick off the interview with Dr. Ben, I want to make sure you know that there is a free community of people in every stage of the process of kicking meat, dairy, and eggs out of their diet for different reasons. We all come together to inform and inspire one another to make more conscious food choices as it relates to our health, the animals affected by the food system, as well as the sustainability of our shared planet. You can request to join the revolution at eatinglikeyougiveadam.com forward slash group. And now I'm excited to bring you the interview with Dr. Benjamin Benulis. All right, Dr. Ben Benulis, I am so excited that you're here. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing excellent. Have a really good day. Real excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited that you're here too. So we actually got to meet very briefly. Well, I, I say meet, but we didn't actually like officially meet, but we were at the same workshop not too long ago. And so it was really cool to hear from some of the people in my network that you were there, even though we didn't officially get to, you know, I didn't officially get to make your acquaintance, but I ended up uh, finding something that you posted online, I think on Facebook. And I was so excited to see your journey and what you're doing and how you're helping people. And I thought, oh my God, it's, it's perfect. I have to have you on the show.
1: I'm glad all that worked out because yeah, you know, there's a ton of people at that uh, seminar, met a lot of really great people, but there's, you know, plenty of people I didn't meet. So I'm glad we got to connect.
0: Yes, absolutely. I know there's always so many people. It's just impossible to meet everybody. <laughs> but uh, but we're here now. So this is great because I know you've got some really great stuff to share. So what I'd like to start off by doing is kind of unpack your story a little bit about where you started out before you discovered a plant-based, uh, vegan-friendly lifestyle. So what was life like for you before you just you made that discovery
1: um you know it's a good question i lived a pretty normal life for the most part um i was working as an engineer in the microchip industry i wasn't you know i was living a pretty normal life as far as like working a normal like eight to five white collar job i had pretty much normal health my whole life uh i did go vegetarian in my 20s just based on, like, ethics, and I had seen, like, a Slaughterhouse video or two, and I thought, oh, that, that might be a good idea, and i I'd, I had seen a turkey killed when I was young, and a, and a fish gutted, and I had reasons that I didn't really want to continue eating meat, and so, I did that, but as far as, like, you know, health-wise, like, I was still on a diet of, like, you know, uh, burritos, and, and, um, pizza, and, you know, just, Macaroni and cheese, like standard Western diet without the meat, with all the processed food and dairy products you could throw at me, and I was, you know, I was healthy <laughs> my whole life. Uh, I was never overweight or anything like that. I never really had problems. And I remember, like, being at, you know, there'd be like some event at work, and they'd be handing out, you know, like cookies or brownies or something like that, and I would always be the guy that took two, you know, because I could get away with it, you know. And uh, people would be like, "Oh, when you're older, it's gonna catch up with you." And I would say, "Ah, oh, you know, it's not gonna catch up with me. I got good genes. <laughs> I made it this far, you know." Which was ridiculous because my father's been overweight or obese his whole life, you know. And um, but I just had it rationalized to myself like, oh, I'm invincible. This won't affect me." Ironically, being it did catch up to me, but not in the way that uh, anybody ever expected. Right? I never gained a bunch of weight, but I, I started developing symptoms over the course of about a year. It started out really small, but I would say within six to eight months, it had just like the volume had got turned up on it to where it was like really interfering with my life. So to give you an idea, it uh, you know, started out with just like some general fatigue or feeling like I needed an extra boost to the point where I was like, you know, I had fatigue where I was sucking down two to three energy drinks a day, sleeping most of the weekend and just always feeling tired mm-hmm. no matter how much I slept or whatever. And then I was having uh, unexplained chronic pain that uh, didn't seem to really – I didn't have any accidents or injuries. It just like my body ached a lot of the time. Muscles ached. Body just felt sore.
0: Now, how old were you around this time frame?
1: 27-ish. Uh, t- this all happened around 27, 28. And so then, then my digestion just got really bad. Like it went from like, oh, a meal here or there. kind of felt like it you know, didn't digest the best or have a little bit of an upset stomach to like – Pretty much every big meal I ate, like, in severe pain, sometimes having to, like, lie down and clutch my sides and just kind of ride it out for an hour. Hmm. Um, Like, and just, you know, starting to almost avoid eating sometimes and just like, oh, how is that going to affect my stomach? I just became ruled by it. Um, And then I started, I also developed, like, eczema, which I had never had, but it was like a rash and it was confined to certain parts of my fingers and my hands, but it was enough, like, it was very visible. Even though it was, like... You know, from about here to about here on both hands, it was very mm-hmm. visible. And so I became like I was self-conscious about it. I put my hands in my pockets and not try to show people my hands. And- right. And you
0: were just pointing to because I know listeners can't see us, but, you know, you were pointing from like your faint fe- your your pinky, the outside of your pinky all the way down to where well, your wrist kind of is, right? Yeah. Like
1: in between the bottom knuckle and like part of the palm, basically.
0: Okay. I don't know
1: why. It was strange that it would would be really severe there and then nowhere else. So, yeah. And all these symptoms just kind of piled up on top of each other to the point where like it really started to interfere with my life. Um, Like you can be a little sick, but then it was just like I was so fatigued and in pain and just like my hands and my digestion. Like I didn't want to go out and be social. I didn't want to, like, hang out with my friends, I just, you know, spent a lot of time, like, you know, a lot of weekends at home sleeping or playing video games, like, I just, um, and people would be, like, you know, thought I was depressed, and I guess I was to some degree, but it was just, like, I also just, like, didn't feel good, you know, it's, like, no, like, what do you call that, I don't know, but I just, I just didn't, didn't feel good about life, and so, like, my social circle really shrank, and, like, my performance at my job really started to tank where I was like employee of the year one year. And then the next year, my boss is like, what's going on with you? You're like, you're like one of the best people I had ever. And now you're like, you're like really performing poorly. And you know, you got better get your act together. Because when January comes around, and I do your performance reviews, you're still at this level, like, I'm gonna have to fire you, you know? Ooh, that's hard to hear. Yeah. And it was a company where they didn't, Like there's some companies where you can be a really poor performer and they'll just kind of keep you on as long as you behave. (laughs) Yeah. This company was like, if you're not performing, you're out, we can hire someone better. So, which was kind of nice, but at the same time, it's like, your job's on the line. You don't do it. You lose it. So I really felt like my life was shrinking, my social life, my work. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, like I was starting to get this sense of impending doom because yeah. And my, my health, you know, uh, that, as a side effect, you know, my, my, my career, my job were going downhill. And as a side effect, my social life was going downhill but my physical health was eroding. Sure.
0: So you found yourself in a lot of physical and emotional pain and you were finally at some point moved to want to do something about that. So what was it, what was that moment that you finally decided to do something different?
1: Sure. Well, just to back it up, I did start, you know, eventually start going to, see doctors and, you know, it's just on a regular PPO insurance plan, so you're getting sent to the medical doctor who, you know, really has no clue about autoimmune conditions, couldn't really diagnose me, ran lab work, oh, we'll refer you to this guy, we'll refer you to that guy, and everybody just kind of looked at the lab work and was like, oh, this, you know, this looks pretty much normal, so, you know, you're probably fine, you know, and um, just kind of got the runaround, you know, like no one... Could really figure out the problem and since they couldn't figure out the problem or see it on a sheet that said like this is what's wrong they just kind of acted like it was no big deal and just like shuffled me off to the next person mm. which is I mean, it's tough like I wish someone had been like hey I see like okay maybe it doesn't uh, you know you're, you're telling me about these symptoms and maybe nothing adds up on the lab work but like something's wrong and I'm going to help you I'm going to help you figure it out you know, that no one said that to me because it was just sort of like, eh, you know, just whatever. Like, I can't figure this out. So you must be OK.
0: Yeah. And I know that there's so many people that go through this very thing that you went through with the doctors. I mean, people that I know in my own family, I've seen them shuffled from doctor to doctor and nobody ever being able to pinpoint what's going on.
1: Yeah. And and I think to some degree, it's, it's pride. Like for me, I, that happens sometimes when people come to me and they're like, I got this going on, this going on, and you know, I'll you know run exams, run labs, check things, try courses of treatment for a limited time, and like they're not getting better. I've, I I want to tell them like, hey, I can't help you. Here's some things I think might be going on. Here's some people I can refer you to who like, I think could help you, but I really don't like that. Like that, since I've been through that, I can't do that to other people now. I just can't.
0: Mm-hmm. What were some of the steps that you started to take in your journey to kind of recover your health?
1: Okay. So again, I didn't really answer your last question completely. It kind of went off on a tangent. So what really changed was uh, someone told me, oh, if you're having digestive problems, you should get a food allergy test. And I was like, oh, I don't think I have any food allergies. Like, I've lived my whole life and never had problems. So they're like, but, well, you have problems now. Like, maybe you developed a latent one, which seemed absurd. Like, how could you develop food allergies later in life? And now, after studying this stuff for years and years and years, I'm like, oh, well, I know the exact mechanism of how it happens, and <laughs> I can explain that. But at the time, I was like, ah, well, got nothing to lose. Like, you know, might as well know. No doctor ever, like, said I should get it. <laughs> so I went and did that, and, um, got the results back and I was like very eager to know what was going on with the lab results. And uh, the guy calls me up on like a Friday afternoon. He says, okay, well, you know, Mr. Benulis, we've reviewed your your lab results and uh, you actually came up as allergic to quite a few things. And he said, so on a scale of one to seven, which I don't know where they come up with these numbers, but one to seven, you scored a seven for the following foods. And it was like dairy, soy, wheat, brewer's yeast, gluten, uh, casein is just like, it was basically like everything I was eating soy, everything I was eating at the time in large amounts was like everything I was allergic to. So I was like, Oh man, well, that's bad news. I'm thinking to myself. So I said to the guy, "Well, like, okay, so what medication do you give me? Because you know, that's the level of consciousness I was at. I was like, obviously, you did the allergy test. You told me what the, what the disease was. Now you give me the medicine that's the cure, right? Obviously, right? Right.
0: That's the obvious thing.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, that's just what my expectations were. It made any logical sense. You go to a doctor, they diagnose you with a disease, and then they give you a pill that treats the disease. So I was pretty incensed when he said to me, oh, well, there's no medicine for this. Like, You just have to cut these foods out of your diet. And it was like record scratch, you know, like what? Excuse me, (laughs) did I hear
0: that correctly? Like everything that I eat basically? Yeah, like (laughs) what
1: am I gonna eat? Like gluten-free air sandwiches, you know? So then that became the quest of like, okay, what can I eat? And you know, when you're thinking in terms of this model of like, okay, I can't eat gluten, I can't eat soy, I can't, like, you're just thinking like, okay, I gotta get the gluten-free, you know, soy-free, dairy-free, you know, fun-free Amy's macaroni and cheese. Okay. And so I'm going to the the grocery store and I'm racking up like $200 grocery bills, buying all this like basically like gluten-free processed food. I'm buying all this stuff and, uh, you know, it's tasting like cardboard and I'm feeling maybe like 15% better <laughs> like, and it's costing me a lot of money. And this is like a giant hassle. And, um, cause I had this basically like lazy mentality of like, I don't like to cook. I don't want to have to like learn how to make recipes or anything like I'm busy you know I'm a I'm a man like I have this like it's I'm not going to learn how to cook it's just not in the cards for me but I knew that all this like food I was eating was not working for me so put my like lazy man brilliance to work and I was like okay well if this food's not working for me what I can maybe do is start drinking smoothies because it's kind of like microwave food like you get a bunch of stuff you put it in you close the lid and then you push a button and and, like, 30, 60 seconds later, like, food's ready, right? Like that's, Voila.
0: yeah. That's,
1: like, the microwave <laughs> philosophy. And here I was just, like, hacking the system and applying, like, the microwave mentality to fruits and vegetables, you know? Which, who would have thought they'd be healthier than packaged processed foods you buy in the frozen aisle? <laughs> Hadn't occurred to me, you know? Right. And so I'm just, like, doing the smoothie thing because it's, like, uh, I – Let's, let's give this – like, smoothie, that's got to be healthy, right? So I'm just throwing, like, whatever's in the fridge in the blender. You know, it's like broccoli and, like, uh, you know, strawberries and, like, whatever is available, mixing all in, like, hoping to – hope in hell that it actually tastes decent, right? Which, yeah, you know, maybe, like, 40% of the time it did. And then, you know, maybe, like, 40% of the time it tasted okay. And, like, 20% of the time it's just completely unpalatable. had to throw it away. So – Maybe I should look up some recipes, you know, like maybe I can make them taste better. So you go and you search, you know, smoothie recipes on YouTube. And this is like 2010 ish. And it just opens you up to a whole other world you didn't even know existed. So I found this guy, Dan McDonald, the life regenerator on YouTube. Right.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: and so at the time. He was, like, living in an RV out in the woods in Washington State. Shirtless, shoeless guy, like, ex-drug addict, and we'd just make these videos. And back then, YouTube was, like, 10 minutes, like, absolutely 10 minutes. And so every video was, like, you know, two minutes of him making the recipe and then eight minutes of him just, like, jibber-jabbering about, like, spirituality or nutrition or health or some arcane topic that I was just, like, thinking to myself, like, dude, just shut up and, like, make the recipe, you know? Um, but that was my introduction to it. And I was just like, okay, like it, I kind of got caught up in it. Like I was just like, that was, that was my foot in the door and it just sent me down this rabbit hole that like, uh, you know, completely changed my life.
0: Wow. Okay. So what were some of the other things that you were learning there in YouTube University?
1: Basically just completely shifting my paradigm on how health works. Yeah, like we're, we're taught this western paradigm of like diseases just happen to you by bad luck you know and that's why there's medical doctors because they just give you drugs so they cut a certain part out of you and then voila problem fixed right like symptoms suppressed and so this concept of like well you actually like do things that cause health like there's a cause of disease perhaps but more importantly, there's a cause of health, and one of those things is the food that you eat. The mm. other thing is like the sleep that you get, the sunshine you're exposed to, the exercise that you get, the, um, you know, how well you manage your stress. All these things conspire to create health, and instead of focusing on suppressing disease, fighting disease, you've got to fight cancer. There's a war on cancer. There's a war on this and drugs. And it's like, no, no, no. Let's, let's focus on what we want, let's create health let's put the proper inputs into the organism and then we'll get the proper outputs as opposed to just like trying to play with the circuit board and rewire everything. Like, let's just put things where they're supposed to go, do things how nature evolved doing, and you should get like pretty good results. Right. And so I was like, just slamming the fruits and vegetables and the smoothies and the green juices just super hard. And I was just getting caught up in, you know, at first, I thought this guy was a total nut job, but, like, I kept watching, right? Like, I, I was getting value out of it, and, like, part of me knew deep down that, like, maybe he was onto something because my health started to improve. Like, these symptoms just started to go away within two to three months. Like, the chronic pain was gone. The digestion, had got, like, worlds better. The skin rash was gone. The energy levels were up. Um, like, the brain fog lifted, and I was... And then it just, like, the health kept going. Like, I got to that set point of where I had been, and then I was like, I just kept feeling better.
0: And was that the expected outcome?
1: No, 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 no. I was just trying to eat food that didn't make my stomach feel like hell, honestly. Like, I didn't see the connection with any of the other symptoms. I just wanted, like, I just wanted to, like, be able to eat without it being, like, World War Three in my intestines. That's all I was going for, right? I, I hear you. And then I just, like, you know, lucked out, essentially, and and um. Ex- it's like all these other benefits.
0: Well, that's incredible. So, so once you got to that point, what were some of the challenges that you started to run into?
1: I think the main thing is that uh, it's wasn't very socially acceptable. My uh, partner at the time was not on board with it. You know, trying to do this stuff at work at a corporate job, and you're like bringing drinking these giant smoothies at work, and people are calling you fruit boy, and you know, and then you're like, no, no, guys, this is amazing. Like this saved my life, and you're trying to tell your friends and everyone just like thinks you're crazy um so you feel like you're living in this bizarro world where it's like you found this great thing (laughs) that's really improved your life and you want to share with everyone everybody else to know like if you just start like you know making green smoothies like you're gonna feel so much better you know it's like i'm not the public the, the infomercial on public television or the after school special it's like remind you, eat your broccoli. I'm like, legit, this is really going to help you. You know, but everyone looks at you like, (laughs) like, I don't want to hear it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was a challenge. And you know, there's other challenges like, okay, like how am I going to, you know, keep all this produce in my house and make sure I always have ripe stuff where I'm going to source like high quality stuff. Where am I, how am I going to do it? You know, I can't just spend $400 a month week on groceries, you know, um, like I got to figure out, but I was willing to like, you know, figure out all those challenges. I was like, there's a way it can be done, (laughs) you know, like I was determined. A lot of people like can kind of let those excuses stop them. But I was like, I saw the benefit. So I was willing to like work around all the possible barriers and like just get it figured out. Like there's got to be a way. These other people do it. I can do it, you know.
0: So I'm curious about the partner that I guess you were sharing a household with. If they're seeing these incredible changes in you and you're getting better, and you're feeling amazing. Like, how come she wasn't or he wasn't able to get on board with that?
1: You know, I don't know. I think it it brought up just some of her own demons with her, some of her own stuff that was going on. Because when I was sick, like, she thought I was just kind of, like, overplaying it or, like, being dramatic. So then it was, like, mm-hmm. when I got well, it was like, okay, now you're just acting weird, you know. And – but ultimately, like, there were other issues in the relationship that just, like – it just brought them to the surface and, like – you know, you know, we ended up splitting up, but like it was sort of like a long time coming and it, it sort of like forced her out of my life when she probably shouldn't have been there for a long, like we were better off without each other. But it, it brought other problems to that had sort of been buried to the surface that just had to be dealt with. So I mean, like I don't see it as a bad thing. And like I think she just she just didn't get it what I was going through. And um, like, a lot of people don't, but that's okay. But I'm here to speak to the ones who, um, you know, can be helped and, you know, are eager to hear what I have to say. And if people disagree or, you know, want to bash me, it's like, okay, <laughs> can't do much about that. Like, I'm just here to help the people that want to be helped.
0: There you go. That's perfect. And then about your job. So um, as you're experiencing all these changes and these improvements in your health, did that help your performance at work as well? Did your boss take notice?
1: Yeah, it was kind of funny. I, like, it got to a point where like, the job became a joke. Like like it got so easy. I was I would finish work at like four o'clock every day. I'd just be like there just maybe nothing left to do. And so for a while I would just kinda like sit at my desk and just kinda try to kill time till five five thirty and then leave, you know, without looking you know like I was slacking. And then I thought, oh hey, you know what we could do? There's a bunch of broken processes in the company. Like there's just things that don't work in certain systems that aren't like if we tweak them and fix them It would save me a bunch of hassle, and it would save other people in the company a bunch of hassle. So I'm going to start just in my pet project, like, fixing certain things in the company, right? And then everyone, like, loves it, and then I'm getting done work at, like, 2.30 or 3 every day, sitting there scratching my head being like, oh, man, (laughs) like, I'm going to automate myself out of a job. Uh, So, yeah, it it helped, but then, you know, I had this new level of consciousness about, like, what I was doing. Like, we were, you know, making, like, for a long time – I was involved. We had this new chip that was going in all these TVs in Japan. And uh, I was like, oh, we're going to sell like a million of these to Panasonic and like Sony and blah, blah, blah. And um, and I was like, but I'm thinking like I don't even watch TV anymore. It's like it just – I can't even handle it. It's just so mind-numbing and like all the ads are for prescription drugs and junk food and I don't want anything to do with either of those things.
0: Oh, man. I know exactly how you feel.
1: You know, people need the prescription drugs because they're eating the junk food, you know. Um, not that the prescription drugs really solve the problem, the pills don't really cure the ills. That's, an, you know, another conversation. But yeah, it was just like, oh, I don't want to have a part of this. <laughs> what really like struck me is like the moment of waking up, like, oh, I need, to, like, I can't stay here. I mean, the company was great, like, not that anything unethical or immoral was going on, and like, you know, it was like they treated me really well. And um, I worked with great people, like I have no qualms, but it was just like the bigger picture of what we were trying to do just didn't resonate with me anymore. And I remember um, one of the things I w- was involved with was like the sales and marketing forecasts to the factory where basically we have to decide what the market is going to buy from us and then go tell our, our manufacturing to go build that. And so there's a whole process of like making sure that, you know, we get the right data and we understand what what the market really wants. So when we build material we can actually sell it right I remember we had this one meeting with the marketing guys this one particular branch of microchips and they're like oh good news guys like we just got back from our meeting in, in China and we met with this company and um, they're, they're a long time customer and they made um, like glucose measuring devices like the basically those Devices for diabetics where you like it, pricks your finger and then you put the blood on it, and then it tells you, like, oh, your blood glucose is, you know, 110 or 94 or whatever. And so for type 1 and type 2 diabetics, they use this device to measure their blood sugar. Um, so it's really a, more of a diagnostic device. So we were selling chips that went into these, and they come back and they're like, guys, we just got news from the manufacturer, like, the diabetes market is like exploding. Just like by 2020, you know, this thing, we're going to like two and a half exit. Like, And we we got this chip, we designed it like 15 years ago. So we got the manufacturing cost down to like, you know, seven cents, but then we can sell it to this company for like a buck oh five, and we can just make money like hand over fist, like this diabetes thing, is just gonna be like huge, you know? And and they're all sitting there thinking they're like, this is so awesome, right? And I'm just like-
0: Oh yeah, that's great for business, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I know the cause of type two diabetes and I know how to reverse it, none of them do. Everybody thinks it's an incurable condition. So I'm just, like, watching in slow motion, like, oh my god, like, they just don't know. They just don't know. Like, everybody thinks they're doing a good thing. (laughs) I mean, they're doing the best that they know, you know, and they're, like, obviously, some very smart people had to design these microchips and these blood sugar devices and all that, but it's like, you're not treating the root cause of the problem, you're just basically, like, um, capitalizing on the fact that the problem's getting worse and you don't have really, like, a solution, per se, but anyway... It was like a wake-up call. I was like I can't do this th- anymore. Like I just can't do this as a career.
0: <laughs> yeah, your conscious just at that point is just not going to let you continue down that path. So I'm guessing this is how you ended up starting down the path to becoming a doctor.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was it. And you know, I, I mean, part of it was also I was pretty disillusioned with the healthcare system. And I, you know, I had a lot of medical doctors in my family. I, I, I had always accepted that it was the predominant paradigm. It worked. Like, anybody who was practicing any sort of alternative modality it was just because they couldn't get into med school. And, you know, having my own bad experience and then, like, getting well by eating fruits and vegetables did better than any doctor could do? Like, it, it <laughs> made me reevaluate, like, you know, that but also many other things. So it's like, well, if that whole medical paradigm is kind of, you know, faulty – then like all these other things, like I have to question now too. Like oh god, I have to like completely reevaluate my values and my morals and my like what I believe to be true. And it was like you know a real like you know uh, it was a lot to process. And so and so you know my relationship ended, and I was like I hit thirty, and I was like what am I doing? Like uh, you know maybe this career isn't right for me. You know um, maybe uh, like I have to reevaluate that too. And so that just went into like you know, deep soul-searching, and like I said, I'd had that experience where, you know, it kind of got shuffled around by the medical system, so I thought, man, like, I'm not even a doctor, but, like, I could do a better job, like, if you just put me in their office and people like me came to them, like, I could do a better job than they ever did, you know, and I don't even have a degree, and then I was thinking, well, you know, I have a science background, I was, like, majored in uh, mechanical engineering, like, I understood chemistry, math, physics, like, you know, some biology, like, I could probably, like, <laughs> probably, Maybe I could do a better job. And it was like, I was looking for something else to do. You know, the gears started turning and um, started, you know, um, reaching out to people. I had a really good um, plant-based medical doctor in Austin where I was living. I reached out to her. She like wrote me a letter of recommendation. Like everybody I talked to was like super supportive. So I thought I was going to do naturopathy because I knew I didn't want to do like drugs and surgery. I knew that like that wasn't an offering I felt comfortable giving people. I knew it wasn't the best option. It's an option. It's great for certain emergency acute situations, but for handling chronic disease, it's, like, so inferior. It, like, doesn't fix the problem. So I didn't want to, like, invest all this time and money learning that only to say, oh, well, I learned all, but I don't actually do it because it doesn't actually work here. Like, do this instead. Like, it just seemed silly. So I was going to do naturopathy, but then I found out it wasn't licensed in Texas where I was living, Um, that basically like you could be a naturopath but you couldn't be a doctor and you had a limited scope of what you could do and like only like I think 26 out of the 50 states have naturopathy license which is unfortunate we need to get in all 50 states I'm a big proponent of naturopathic medicine so I decided I could enroll in chiropractic school and basically have this drugless healing art that I knew had you know close to no side effects and it was health promoting and you know all natural i'm just using my hands and then i could everything in the in terms of nutrition was in the scope they taught nutrition in chiropractic school it actually seemed like a better fit because i could do more than if i was just like a naturopathic doctor or a medical doctor so that's that's what i decided to do
0: and uh, my mother-in-law actually she found her second career as a chiropractor as well for all of the same reasons that you're talking about now She was previously a a dental assistant for many, many years. That was her profession. And then, you know, she just started getting tired of what she was seeing around her and and made the switch. And it's just amazing to see, you know, the intensity of the schooling. And she was so excited to learn all these different things about natural healing, the nutrition, you know, and of course, you know, healing the body with just, you know, the touch of another person's hand is just incredible.
1: Sorry to interrupt, if you're listening, and you're like thinking, man, it's too late for me. Like I'm, you know, 30 or I'm 40 or I'm 50. Like, it's never too late. Like, cause you know, five years from now, you're gonna be doing the right. same thing you were doing. You're gonna be five years older. Um, like, and if you're like thinking about it, you know this 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 resonates with you. Definitely, like check the show notes and please contact me. I'd be more than happy to have a conversation, and encourage you, and um, I, I think it's it's never too late to change your career.
0: Fantastic. So then, what did that look like for you as you made that transition out of school and starting your own practice? Um, did you focus mainly on nutrition, or what does your practice look like?
1: I definitely. You know, it was one thing I thought, oh, I'm never really going to, like, do much of this adjusting stuff. Like, it's fun, but it's not me. And then when I was in school, I just, like, kind of fell in love with it. And I found a, a technique that I really liked. So I, I got into it. And I, you know, just um, started practice doing, you know, primarily, um, you know, working with, like, spinal conditions and then just decided to build the nutrition part of it just from doing, like, uh, speaking and workshops and stuff like that. Like, I I feel like that's something that's better taught in groups than one-on-one. Because, like, if I'm going to sit down with you and, like, coach you and everything, like, this is going to be an expensive endeavor. But I can put on a seminar and teach a bunch of people, like, a much lower price point. So I like doing both. If I had to narrow it down to just one, I'd have a tough time only doing one of the two.
0: Yeah, of course. As far as your seminars are concerned or the workshops that you put on, typically, who are you reaching out to? Are you talking specifically about, you know, overcoming autoimmune disease and digestive disorders? Or are you kind of running the whole gamut as far as nutrition is concerned by promoting a plant-based lifestyle for many different conditions?
1: I stick to the autoimmune stuff. I mean, I know that it's prophylactic for a variety of, um, you know, chronic disease conditions, type 2 diabetes, uh, heart disease, you know, stuff like that, you know, obesity, but uh, I, I feel like I have a certain mission and I have a certain story that resonates with just certain people that's not being served and I got to focus on serving them and I could talk this big game about all these different other subjects that I really don't have much experience with personally, like, yes, I, I interned at True North for three months. I saw the sickest of the sick with like high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, rare autoimmune conditions, cancers, the weirdest stuff you've never even heard of. It's a no medical textbook, but someone had to deal with it, right? So I've seen all that people heal from all that stuff. But I, yeah, the, the lecturing that I do and the workshops that I do focus around autoimmune because that's what I feel like I can serve people the best. So I focus on that.
0: I think I saw somewhere that you actually got to train a little bit with Dr. Michael Clapper, who is very prominent in the plant-based and vegan community. What was it like working with him?
1: Well, this is a story that, um, you know, it's going to surprise some people. Uh, So Dr. Clapper, now, I I lucked out. Like I interned at uh, True North in like the last few months of 2016, and he left shortly thereafter. And uh, he's doing amazing things now. He's like traveling the world, lecturing at medical schools, like doing what he's supposed to be doing. Like, he can make way more of an impact doing that than, like, treating fasting patients at the clinic. Like, they give plenty of other people who can do it. And so he's, he's an amazing guy. I mean, he's, like, um, you know, he's, like, been doing this for, like, 40-plus years. And uh, he's, you know, seen it all, heard it all, done it all, knows it all to, like, an absurd degree. And so basically what he, they did was that every Wednesday morning, you do all the rounds with Dr. Clapper, and then you would sit in his office, and he would quiz you and just, like, hammer you with all these questions and and like he intern like he treated the interns like it was medical school in like nineteen seventy like he hammered you hammered you with questions it was like <laughs> if you started to slip up or say something wrong he would just hit you with this Oh, so what so what's really going on here Well, oh, is, the, is the liver really hemorrhaging enzymes Ben is that what's really going on and then he'd like you backpedal and try to explain and you'd be like <laughs> mm, I don't think you know what you're talking about you, you you're gonna sound like an idiot you can't be like going out and practice and like you know, so he would like really ride people hard and like some of the other interns cried, like straight up.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs>
1: um, so it's kind of funny because there's like, oh, it's, I'm Dr. Clapper and I'm a friendly guy and that's what people, most people know. But if you're an intern, like he wanted the best out of you and he was not afraid to, um, to do what he had to get it out of you and, uh, you know, make sure you knew your stuff when you're coming out of there. So, uh, you know, it really shaped me. It really leveled my uh, skills up as far as like diagnosis and like stuff like that. Uh, physiology, pathophysiology, like I really, he really put me through the fire and I learned a heck of a lot under him and it wasn't easy. Mm. So that's that's the Dr. Clapper story.
0: Well, that's good because that's made you the most amazing doctor that you are today now. So it's great. Absolutely. Now, I also saw somewhere that you got the opportunity to uh, work with Mr. Robert Cheek. Oh, Yeah. very infamous vegan bodybuilder and educator on uh, vegan lifestyle. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: You know, it's kind of funny. It's like, because the story with him goes back and there's a lot of like, we hung out and then we kind of lost touch for a few years. Then we like talked again. Anyway, 2005, I'm on this um, MySpace page for vegetarians and he friends me on MySpace and he's like, you know, he's like super self-promotional. People don't know Robert Cheek. He's like published author, written a bunch of books on like vegan fitness, vegan bodybuilding. He's like competed as a, as a bodybuilder. He's been vegan for like 20 plus years. I hear quite a few stories about the man. Anyway, original introduction was, was 14 years ago on MySpace. And he was posting all this stuff about being a vegan, being a bodybuilder. And I'm looking at the pictures like, man, vegetarian, maybe you can do it with this guy. This guy's got to be on juice. You know, Uh, you know. ironic thing is, he's like vegan, like hundred percent drug free. Never had a sip of alcohol. Never touched a drug. Never like done any of that stuff. All around good guy. Right. In 2012, he moved to Austin, and I was working out at this uh, this gym that this vegan guy basically had in his garage. And uh, he talked Cheek and some other people in the coming, and we started working out together. And uh, funny enough, Robert uh, aggravated an old back injury and couldn't lift anymore. And then this was even before I had thought about going to chiropractic school. And um, years later, like I moved to Phoenix, he was in Phoenix. I ended up becoming his chiropractor. And um, this is like not HIPAA violation. He's made videos with me. We've talked about it. Uh, he was my patient and helped him heal from like a very severe and chronic back injury that had been going on and off for years. And uh, got him lifting again and everything. Uh, but we had worked out back in the day at this guy's garage in Austin, and uh, We ran like an ultra marathon together at one point. Like, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened with him over the years, but he's like such a boon to the movement. I mean, he basically, for so many people, like basically showed the fact that you could be vegan and fit, that you could be vegan and a bodybuilder. This was a possible thing. And so he kind of paved the way. And then you got guys like, you know, Derek Treesize and Ryan Nelson and these other huge vegan guys who have just like sort of taken what he's had and just run with it, you know? So yeah, he's, he's an amazing guy.
0: Nice. That's so great that you were able That I mean, you established that communication over so many years and that you were able to help him overcome an injury. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So bringing us back around to how you help your patients, as particularly with diet and lifestyle changes. So when you're coaching or you're talking to your patients or your audience about recovering from an autoimmune disorder or um, recovering from digestive issues do you find that mo- many people don't really know that severe allergies, food allergies, are autoimmune?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, that whole thing is still being understood. And, um, yeah, food allergies are definitely, they, it's an immune reaction, so it involves the immune system. Whether you want to say it's autoimmune or not is kind of debatable. And this is one of those things where the dunning-kruger effect takes place it's like the more you know like the less you feel confident in it (laughs) i've been like studying this and it's like i just accumulate knowledge about like intestinal permeability and like you know igg and and i'm like "Hmm, i don't really understand quite how it works i feel like five years ago i i felt like i knew a lot more even though i knew know a lot less but it's it's definitely um the immune system is involved for sure And like the food that you eat is hugely important. Mm -hmm. There are ways to heal from food allergies. I have done it. I don't quite understand why or how because there were many factors going on at the same time. So it's hard to pinpoint like what exactly healed me. But like, hey, if you do this short list of things, like you're probably gonna get results.
0: So then you started with the smoothies and now what did that progress into? What does your diet look like now in order to maintain your healthy body and keep autoimmune- Disease free.
1: Sure. So I still do like a primarily raw diet. I do eat uh, some cooked whole foods, but I primarily do like a fruit-based raw type diet where I'm like a lot of fruit uh, that changes with the seasons. Usually, first two like first meal of the day is some kind of high water fruit. Second meal of the day is like some kind of smoothie, usually a green smoothie. And then third meal of the day is like. Um, usually a salad and possibly some fruit and some cooked vegetables in terms of like potatoes, sweet potatoes, uh, broccoli, steamed greens, whatever, stuff like that, um, tend to stay away from uh, the grains still and definitely stay away from anything processed.
0: So as you're coaching your patients and anybody that you're talking to, do you find that a lot of people will have a hard time even imagining getting to that point? where they're starting to feel healthy by making these sort of changes? Do you find that they're complaining about, oh my God, I don't know if I can give give up my, you know, fill in the blank.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, a common problem. And so like these workshops that I do, we focus on diet, but we also got to focus on mindset. Like you got to be like, you got to know why you're doing this, why it's so important for you to succeed and like really have your, your understanding of like your why. So we can really like build that motivation. Because I think a lot of times, yeah, people just don't want to believe it's possible. And a lot of times, like, to some degree, like, the autoimmune disease, it's a, it's big. Like, it's, it's um, you know, 25 million people diagnosed, another 25 million or so undiagnosed, like 50 million people in the United States affected. There's a lot of people out there selling um, potions and lotions and powders and tricks and trades and stuff that, like, you know, sounds kind of good, you know. It's, like, um, supplements and stuff and that's big money to be made, you know, to sell people a consumable product versus coach them how to um, change their diet. So a lot of people have kind of gotten scammed, tried a bunch of things that like in the alternative world that didn't work. And so they're skeptical and they should be because a lot of these people who are formulating this stuff Are like, oh, this autoimmune thing looks like it could be the next big market. Like, let's make a product that we could. Sit. They don't have any experience with it firsthand. And I'm sitting here like, man, I've been through this. Like, I know what works and what doesn't because I tried all the stuff that doesn't work. Believe me, here's what you got to do and um i was at a point where i was it was just like i was at so rock bottom i was willing to do what it takes and some people you know they're not quite there yet at the rock bottom thankfully and so we gotta work on mindset and we gotta work on like their why and you know getting them inspired getting them motivated keeping them motivated keeping them inspired is you know just as important as learning nutrition because like let me tell you i can tell you the nutrition portion of it eat lots of fruits eat lots of vegetables eat lots of plants Done, end of story, okay? But like going out and implementing that is not easy. So you got to have other things in place to make sure it happens.
0: Absolutely, and I agree with that, starting with the why 100%. That's exactly where I started uh, with my book, The Skinny on Eating Like You Give a Damn, is making sure that the reader is able to address why they're about to start making these changes. Because without that, I mean, you're just going to fall victim to uh, so many of the other mixed messages that are out there. I mean, we've got... uh, I mean, we've got diets coming out the wazoo, you know, just seems like every couple of months, there's a new fad diet out there that's promising all of these things that people want and desire for their life. What would you say to something like that, to a patient that's talking about all of the different diets that are available to them right now? Isn't there something else that can work? Do we really have to go plant-based?
1: You know, I, I pretty much have, maybe this is to my, uh, to my detriment, but I was like, "Hey, this is what works." You know, um, you're gonna need some time. You're gonna need two to three months to like really implement it, to like really see sustained results. So if you're like looking for the next shiny thing that you can, you know, do a quick like, you know, um, two-week weight loss, or like, you know, this is gonna fix it in some short amount of time, and you want results now, like it's probably not the right time for you to try this. Maybe later will be, but like, if it's gonna work, you gotta be committed. If you're not, I understand it's not an easy change to make, um, but I'm really only one to work with people who are like who are committed. Um, because if you're not, like, you just can't get results. Like, I wish you could. Sorry. <laughs> like, good luck with that stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I could write you a litany of why it won't work, but you're not going to listen if you're dead set on doing it. But you can come back to me later and say, yeah. okay, maybe you are right. Maybe I'll give it a try.
0: So can you share a success story with us that somebody uh, somebody that you've able to help completely transform their life and improve their health through your nutritional specifications?
1: Sure. So I had a, um, an old buddy of mine from high school who, uh, I guess, we lost touch after high school, but he apparently, when he was in college, got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease where your body attacks your your large intestine and you have blood in your stool, and it's extremely unpleasant and painful, and probably one of the worst autoimmune diseases you can get. Like, it, it just sounds god-awful. I've never experienced it personally, but talk about something ruining your life. It won't kill you, but it will make your life extremely unpleasant. And so he'd been just going the medical route for like 20 years, and um, maybe, not, maybe not that long, but a while, basically getting put on immunosuppressant drugs that would like suppress the immune system and the... Like the body wouldn't attack the colon as bad, but so it would sort of slow the progression of the disease, and it would kind of turn you into an AIDS patient because your immune system's suppressed. Like, like this, as, in terms of solution, like it wasn't the best. Like he still had the disease; it was still causing him problems, maybe just not as much as if he would know, not taking the drug. Um, but then, of course, you know there's side effects too, so it's you know a lot to weigh. Anyway, he goes in for this scoping yearly or six months, every six months or however often they were scoping you know, sticking the tube up his rear end. It's like, see how his colon was doing? And they're like, oh, it's bad. You know, it's real bad. Like, we got to cut this thing out. It's time to go, you mm-hmm. know, which cutting your colon out means that you have to get this thing called the colostomy bag where you basically, you don't have bowel movements the normal way anymore. They go into a plastic bag on the side of your stomach, which sounds terrible. Right. And it was enough to motivate him to go, wow, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, I got I to figure something else out. And so he started like researching, and he, he stumbled across my stuff. I mean, probably because we were friends on Facebook. Or I don't know. And he came to me for help, and I was like, "Okay, I got you. Like, we'll do this. You know, you on board." And he was, you know, he was facing getting his colon cut out, so he was motivated.
0: <laughs> no kidding.
1: And so uh, he was a, he was a teacher, and so put him on a program. You know, uh, over the summer, he just stuck to the stuck to the plant based diet program, high raw. And um, you know, very particular about things. and he um, went to go get it scoped then the summer when school is starting again, and the doctors are like, we don't know what the heck happened like this it, it, something got, got mixed up because this is like a normal colon that we're looking at. It's like, oh well, um, you know this chiropractor over from California like put me on this um, you know this like fruit-based diet thing, and, I, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, like you're good, get out of here, you know, like didn't want to hear it. but anyway, you know, reversed the disease. So
0: that's fantastic. It's like he's got a new lease on living a normal life again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All all vital organs intact.
0: Yes. (laughs) So just for the general population, then um, what advice would you share to listeners who are kind of teetering on the edge of transitioning to a plant based uh, vegan friendly lifestyle, whether for ethics, for for their health, for the environment. What are some helpful tips that you could probably give them from your perspective?
1: Hmm, I would just say uh, if you're like thinking about it, teetering on it, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'll do a little bit, maybe. Just like give it a real go for like 30 days. If you got an autoimmune disease, you might need to give it a real go for like 60 to 90 to 120 days. But uh, give it a real go for a protracted period of time and like 100% all in, do it. And uh, see how you feel, okay? Because the proof's in the pudding. All right, we can. I can get up here and talk all day about I healed from an incurable disease, and I help other people do the same, and it's amazing. But like, if you don't experience it firsthand, you, you don't know. And so, if you want to know how good it really is. Like, you got to do it for yourself. And. If you don't like it, you can always go back, all right? But I think for a lot of people, that permanent change of like, I'm going to become a vegan or I'm going to never eat cheese again in my life is very daunting. Like the brain is like that kind of level of change, the brain just doesn't want to have to deal with. But if you trick it and say, hey, just for the next 30 days, just the month of July, we're just going to go bonkers on the fruits and vegetables because it's the summer and they're all in season and we're just going to eat as many of them as we can. And we're just that month, we're just going to do it. The brain can be like, oh, yeah, I can do thirty days. Yeah, well, that would be a little difficult, but okay. And then you give yourself reference experience of like knowing how good it was. Right? You figure out how to do it all logistically. Ah, oh, this wasn't as hard as I thought. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, I don't want to stop. You know, this was going well. <laughs> so that's that's my advice: is just give it all, give it a. 100% go for at least 30 days.
0: That's fantastic wisdom. Now, share with us how we can reach out to you, where your practice is, and um, how, how people can get in contact with you.
1: Sure. If you're suffering with an autoimmune disease, uh, I wrote a free ebook. It's called The Autoimmune Recovery Blueprint. Basically, shows you everything. Like, it's basically the book I wish I'd had back in 2010 when I got sick and I had to figure it all out, like condensed into eight pages. Everything, like the, the nuts and bolts of what you need to know, is in that. W. Autoimmune It'll be in the show notes. Prior practices in Phoenix, Arizona. I do do talks and seminars out here. I'm also a practicing chiropractor. Practice is called uh, Life Unfolds Chiropractic. Website is lifeunfolds.co. You can also find me, uh, just my name, Dr. Benjamin Benulis. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Probably use Instagram the most of any of the social media platforms. Feel free to reach out to me there with a DM. i probably on that one the most.
0: Awesome. Well, it has been absolutely amazing talking with you today. And for listeners, uh, make sure you check out those show notes for all of those links. I'll have them posted there. And Dr. Ben Benulis, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. It was wonderful. Thank you.
0: That was Dr. Benjamin Benulis. Ain't he cool? Don't forget to follow him on Facebook and Instagram and make sure you let him know that you heard him here on the Eating Like You Give a Damn podcast. That link again to get access to his ebook is autoimmunerecoveryblueprint.com. So you can get the quick start guide to healing from autoimmune disease. If you're getting value from this podcast, I would love it if you could subscribe and leave a review. Your review helps others who are looking for this kind of information to help them to decide to listen and to subscribe themselves another thing you could do to help me spread the message is to take a screenshot of this episode and post it to your favorite social media channel. And when you do, don't forget to tag eating like you give a damn so I can share your post as well. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and Dr. Ben. And until next time, veg on rebels.